0: Hello, this is WCG Patient Radio. I'm Steve Smith from Patient Advocacy in WCG. We're a company that specializes in the ethical treatment of human subjects in clinical trials, and today we're talking to Leslie Erdineta, who's a family program coordinator with a rare disease group called the National MPS Society, and we're also speaking with Sarah Zentak, who works for a genetic counseling service called Informed DNA. She's a certified genetic counselor with them, and the topic today is families who have received diagnosis and the importance of also receiving genetic counseling and the actual life-saving uh, aspect of genetic counseling and good information at the time of diagnosis so welcome both leslie and sarah
1: thanks steve oh thank you
0: so, so i'm going to start with uh leslie and um Leslie Urdaneta, you're a family program coordinator with the National MPS Society, and that's a disease area I know well. My own son has MPS, uh, an MPS disease, MPS4, and there are 11 MPS diseases all under that one umbrella. It's a not-for-profit organization, the MPS Society is. So patients come when they're first diagnosed when they can find it if they're lucky enough to be referred. So they have like-minded people to talk to, other patients who have been down the path, you know how do I cope with this how do I do that they can meet uh, doctors that are specialists they can meet scientists there are conferences and so it's a very important part of life of a family that has just been diagnosed and then often stays a part of life for families um, for many years after that for a lot of different reasons including camaraderie so um, Leslie could you tell us a little bit about what you do as family program coordinator
1: Of course. So part of my job is um, we start with families upon initial diagnosis, and they reach our office in a variety of ways, but generally families have received information that their child um, has tested positive for one of the diseases that we cover, and We begin our services at that moment. We have a Pathways program that provides either myself or my co-worker to join with the family and provide comprehensive services for the first year of diagnosis. In that process, we complete a home visit with the family anywhere across the United States. We meet with them. We begin services at that time. We help link them to physicians familiar with MPS, connect with other families ensure that they are set up with um, various state federal and local services and that kind of thing um, that program is comprehensive for the first year and then families roll into being covered through our family support programs throughout the rest of as as long as they remain members and want to become involved so they can reach to us if they need assistance down the road with or transitions to adulthood um, we get a lot of questions about access to insurance and and coverage for various things um, that kind of thing for
0: so uh, this is a up. lot it's a lot of different topics why is um, why can't these families just ask their doctor when they're diagnosed I mean I know the answer to that but I don't think everybody does
1: the it is it is very uncommon I would say for our families to immediately begin with a physician that is familiar at all with MPS. These are extremely rare diseases. We have physicians that call our offices wanting additional information about MPS because very likely they may only see one patient in their career with, with
0: one of these. And, those and are these very serious diseases and what, what's the sort of emotional state that the families are in when you uh, meet them and they've been diagnosed?
1: They are very serious diseases. They are progressive, degenerative, and in most cases, life-limiting. So, generally, families come to us because they've been given information that their child has a terminal diagnosis. Much of the literature still remains that life expectancy for these diseases is early teenage years, and that's often what the families are hearing very initially.
0: And initially, sometimes the um, symptoms aren't nearly as bad as they're going to become later. Is that right?
1: Correct. Yes. We see children generally develop normally with bucopolysaccharidosis, um, with, with the MPS diseases, and then they begin to regress and lose skills and symptoms increase over time.
0: So what is it, what are the kinds of things that um, the genetic counseling, what's the situation with genetic counseling with this group of people?
1: the genetic counseling is crucial for this population because as i mentioned we have families that get these um get a diagnosis and they're told right away that that the disease is terminal and that there are no treatments even though now we are recognizing yes there are treatments there are things available there are things that can be done um we have we very frequently get calls where there's a lot of misinformation about these diseases and if we can kind of come in and help correct some of that information and direct families to genetic counselors and people who really are familiar with rare diseases, then they get accurate information, and then they get connected with things for early intervention, for treatment options, and for really seeing what is available out there.
0: It's So you said the, the disease pres-
1: The longer we wait. Um, yeah, the longer you wait, the more complications they have, and the more um the more difficult it is to overcome some of those complications and symptoms.
0: That's what I was going to ask. Yes, you said that diseases are progressive, so if you can get the testing and the counseling done, and the patient families begin doing the right thing, they might end up on whatever the available therapies are and slow down the progression. Is that accurate?
1: That's completely accurate, yes.
0: And what are the treatments these days? I mean, I know there has have been for some of these diseases, uh which are enzyme deficiencies, enzyme replacement therapy, which is an IV infusion. Is that the current state of the art?
1: Yes, for for a handful of the diseases we do have enzyme replacement therapy or ERT as a treatment option. Um for for one disease type in particular, MPS1, um Transplantation, either through bone marrow or stem cell, is accepted, and it's also being trialed in other syndrome types as well. Those um, transplant processes are recommended to occur before age two, but the earlier, the better. It's very different in the MPS diseases um, than what we see in some other syndrome types and other disease um, umbrellas, because they can go a longer period of time without transplant. But our, our um, our patient population requires intervention as soon and as early as possible. So we do have enzyme replacement therapy primarily, but some other other options depending on the type.
0: So getting these families this information is really a race against time before they, they no longer qualify f- to benefit from the treatment.
1: Correct. And we have seen that. We have seen children unfortunately have um, considerably more complications when... Um, when treatment is delayed.
0: Yes, and and this is a world of clinical trials, right, where the patients can only get medicine because in some cases it's the only medicine available is still in the clinical trial.
1: We do have a handful of clinical trials going on for various syndrome types, and a lot of those are age-dependent as well. Yes, that's correct. And so they would not be able to access some of the um, most groundbreaking Science. If they are diagnosed
2: later,
0: you, you mentioned that there can be early um, death of the patient if they don't get treated, or the family's child. What about um, cognitive decline? Are they ha- experiencing that?
1: In in most cases, yes. Depending on the, we cover a number of diseases, and they vary significantly from syndrome type to syndrome type. However, cognitive impairment is. Um, is a symptom that we see in a number of these syndrome types often once there is delay that has begun in a child um, it is hard to overcome that so there's it's very difficult with mps to have kind of any reversal of symptoms once damage has started the goal of treatment is really to stabilize where where the child is at that current time but it's very hard to undo what has already been done the goal of treatment is to keep things from
0: getting worse you really do remarkable work and I I know that um, there's a lot of families that benefit from what you and the society do and the genetic counselors that come into the picture as well to um, bring some calm to the families what must be absolute panic when they start to see pictures online and read stories of what could possibly happen to their uh, child who otherwise may appear healthy to them at the moment if they're young and um, then this way, they can at least um, start moving down the path of, okay, what do we do about this now? Yeah, um, I'd like more. to turn to, to Sarah. Uh, Sarah uh, Zentak on the phone works for a genetic counseling service called Informed DNA, and she's a certified genetic counselor. Uh, hi, Sarah. Can, can you um, tell a little bit about your work and um, uh, relate it a little bit to what Leslie said?
2: Sure. Yeah. So um, just to give a little background on, you know, you know, what genetic counselors are, we are, we're uniquely trained healthcare professionals. Typically, we have master's degrees um, with specialized training in medical genetics and counseling. So we, our job is to help patients and healthcare providers navigate this complex landscape of genetic testing, risk assessment, result interpretation, we're, we're there, we're part of the team to support and provide education to individuals, uh, their families, and, and the healthcare providers uh, who are concerned with uh, with genetic disorders. Um, and as Leslie mentioned, oftentimes it is really crucial to, um, to have genetic counselors involved as soon as possible when there is um, when there is a question of genetic uh, disease
0: and um, you there's an um, important kind of um, genetic counseling that happens not just for children as we were talking about a minute ago but uh, people throughout their lives may get diagnoses for uh, disorders which um, genetic counseling could help with And there's even a bill pending right now in the House of Representatives called the Access to Genetic Counseling Act. And it's been championed by uh, genetic counseling, um, the community of genetic counselors as well as people in patient advocacy because currently, if I understand correctly, genetic counseling's not covered for people on Medicare. So there's a much older patient population than Leslie talked about, people 65 and over are on Medicare, and if they can't get genetic counseling, uh, t- tell us why is that a problem?
2: Okay. So the, the bill um, in the House right now, it updates Medicare law to improve access uh, to genetic counselors for Medicare beneficiaries. Currently, genetic counseling and genetic testing um, is an approved benefit under Medicare. However, genetic counselors are not recognized by the CMS. As providers so the issue is is that in order for someone with Medicare uh, to to see a genetic counselor they can only do that if the genetic counselor is under the supervision of their of their physician that they're currently that's currently caring for them so If that physician doesn't have a genetic counselor, which most won't, um, there's a multi-step process that that person needs to go through. First, they would need to be referred to a different genetic, sorry, different physician or medical center that has a genetic counselor. The patient would then establish care with that physician. And then finally, they can meet with the genetic counselor. This process is cumbersome and it's a substantial barrier to uh, to providers as well as the patients in accessing genetic counseling services from genetic counselors. So the bill allows providers to directly refer to the genetic counselor.
0: So if, if the um, person who's on Medicare um, gets diagnosed with cancer uh, in its various one of its various forms and a DNA test that says they have it, wh- why is it so important they get genetic counseling? I, there's something about they do they might do too much of the wrong thing or not enough of the right thing what's exactly the issue
2: right yeah um so unfortunately there um there have been some some harms um documented when genetic counselors are not involved in either the ordering of the genetic test or the interpretation uh there was a very uh interesting study presented at this year's annual uh, National Society of Genetic Counselor Conference that assessed non-genetics providers ability to interpret different types of genetic test results. They reported that some results were misinterpreted up to 60% of the time. So this really highlighted um, highlighted the importance of, of having genetic counselors there to, to assist with the interpretation. But yeah, I I kind of think of possible scenarios into, into three groups um, where the provider um, might do too much, do too little or does nothing at all. Um, so doing nothing at all might, might be um, failure to identify that individual's genetic risk and if we're thinking about oncology right now, um, that might be that um, they didn't recognize that the patient had genetic risk uh, for cancer and then that patient ends up getting a cancer that was otherwise preventable had they known about that. Um, doing doing too much might be that they, uh, they received a genetic test result and then misinterpreted, maybe misinterpreted a low risk genetic result as a high risk result. And then maybe the provider recommended prophylactic surgeries to that patient based on that result that were otherwise not necessary. And then the third category of doing too little that might represent um, an inaccurate risk assessment uh, based on the result, so um, I come from the world of oncology, so my examples are all all oncology based, but let's just use maybe breast cancer uh, gene testing as our example. Maybe that um, that woman receives a negative genetic test result on the breast cancer genes, and it's assumed that she now has a general population risk for breast cancer when in fact she might still have significant risk uh, for breast cancer and would benefit from um, enrollment in a high-risk surveillance protocol early detection leading to uh better prognosis and so those so are sometimes mi- some of the so if
0: it's misinterpreted by the doctor the doctor says hey your your test came back negative you don't have breast cancer then um, the misinterpretation would be say you're you're fine you know go on with your life when what the doctor probably should say is but since you have these familial your family has these this history you should be in a high surveillance program right you should be checked exactly. often you should be getting screened and if the patient doesn't because the doctor hasn't said that then the patient could then fall victim to the cancer
2: exactly that's the concern there in genetic testing um you know in genetic counseling um was traditionally, as you mentioned before, just thought of with um, in the prenatal setting and pediatric setting when we think about um, the genetic disorders that that children can be diagnosed with. But it's it's becoming more and more important um, in conditions that affect our older or aging population, like cancer, cardiovascular disease, and neurology. And as you know, we're We're in this era of personalized medicine, right, and genetic testing is moving into primary care, you know, to help detect disease risk, um, you know, offering more accurate diagnoses and guiding treatment uh, choices for these conditions that affect us um, in later adulthood. So it's really important that everyone have access to genetic counseling. (laughs) Yes, yes. Through
0: the years. So there's so many so many more genetic tests now than there used to be. So people are getting the information, but how to interpret it is really where the genetic counselor comes in. Right. So uh, Leslie, um what kinds of things uh, have you experienced these kinds of things where the families that you meet are um on the path to not doing the right thing or they're um doing actually doing some of the wrong thing does everybody just kind of so they can't just suddenly all know and fall into line the way they would do if they were much more experienced since they're newly diagnosed. What kinds of things are you seeing
1: with working with a group of very rare diseases and a limited number of physicians across the country that are familiar with MPs and ml we certainly do see that a delay in getting to someone who has extra accurate information in Getting to a geneticist, getting to a genetic counselor, and getting most up to date information about the diseases is critical. And we have unfortunately had situations where families have received a diagnosis and then been told that they can be on a waiting list for six months or more before they can get those results interpreted. That is very problematic in our population because it really does delay access to treatment, and it may change the course of what treatment options are available if if they have to wait such a long period of time, and we have had families that have been in that position.
0: Yeah, so that, that's really critical to get this information. Um, I want to thank you both for joining this webinar. Um, this uh, could go on and on and on and on because I think that there's a lot of interesting things to talk about here. And the families with rare diseases certainly always appreciate when their message gets out or they can learn from something that um, both of you provide every day on a daily basis. It's just wonderful what you're doing and that you're there. I wanna tell people who are listening that the diseases we've been talking about here that uh, Leslie uh, works with as the family program coordinator are the MPS diseases. That's M as in Mary, P as in Paul, S as in Sam. Those are the mucopolysaccharide disorders, and also mucolipidosis. Um, The website of her organization uh, is mpssociety.org, and Sarah Zentak, the certified genetic counselor we're speaking with, uh, works for Informed DNA, and the website for Informed DNA is just that, right? Informeddna.com. Is that right, Sarah?
2: It is. Thank you, Steve.
0: So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, This is WCG Patient Radio. My name is Steve Smith. We've been speaking with Leslie Erdineta from the National MPS Society and with Sarah Zentak of Informed DNA. Thanks for listening, everybody.